I love this picture of him and his dog. You can see his love for animals is um, true and just adorable. Everyone deserves not to just survive, but to live. Yes, Steve, that is true. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's so cute. With strangers, I can't breathe, but I dig my old lady. I love this yep. thing. This That's quote. a great picture. I've never seen that either. But <laughs> so cute. He he supposedly did an Amos and Andy imitation, and that looks like that could be it. And he he's very cute, snosh, snosh. Uh And then he had so many cars. His racing queen, green Jaguar. Um. When you start believing everything that's written about you, there is a tendency to get too big for your britches. But when I start thinking I'm the cat's behind, my old lady says to me, what's your story, McQueen? And I'm back to normal, (laughs) which everybody needs. You know, I'm reading this thing, a book of quotes, and there was one. He he would call Jacqueline Bissett, you know, hey, soul, you're really cool, soul sister, and things like that. She said, I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm from Britain. Right. You know, but he's calling me soul sister, so I guess that was a good thing. Uh, there he is on his motorcycles. I have friends, the right kinds, ones you can count on the nitty-gritty. They work hard and they don't compromise. The point is these people are genuine and they dig you for what you are as a human being. Yep, and I love that. I mean, he did have real friendships. He didn't, uh, you know, I've been around a lot of the Hollywood types, and they, they don't have friends. No. They don't have people. He surrounded himself with people who would who who could tell him to shove it, and this picture of his friend Bud Eakins is one of those guys. They Bud also went to a reform school. They were born the same year. Bud had these great motorcycle skills that Steve wanted to learn. So, um, you know, Bud was just the right kind of friend for him. So Steve, his friends were like blue collar type guys, but outside of the industry. Um, and so whenever he had, he had, so he surrounded himself by those kind of people just to kind of keep him tempered. Cause I think he knew that there was a danger to Hollywood. And I'm sure he did indulge in some of the dangers. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, this is, he talks about motorcycle riding. You ought to understand this about me and the motorcycle riding. I've lived in a very closed world and I've tried hard while I was racing to keep cameras away and public relations people away because it's my private world and I do feel strongly about it. Right. Great pictures. Yikes. Yep. And, and the ironic thing was, you know, he, he didn't really like giving interviews, but if you talked about the motorcycles, it was a way to open up. It was a way for him to open up. And that, that's a journalistic trick. Find out what they do want to talk about. Then when they get comfortable, then you start talking about other things. So that was a way into McQueen's world. But also, on the other hand, he didn't want that to be a thing where he's using the publicity to get, you know, using the motorcycle thing to get publicity. So that's what he really meant in that statement. I love this one. And it's so, you know, he is. The women I've always been involved with have always thought of me as a chauvinist pig, and I really don't give a damn. I was brought up to believe that women do certain things and the man does the other. So he admits it. 
Absolutely. He did. Absolutely. And I think that's great. This yellow, this picture of him, and it's that yellow sweater. One little push. He could have gone bad. I always try to immerse myself in the plural and playing, and Rick, Buzz Rickson was no shrinking violet. Mm-hmm. That was a good role for him, too. Um, McQueen was, I wouldn't say he was, he, uh, you know, McQueen could be pushy and he could be uh, outwardly aggressive, and, and, and you would probably get a glimpse of McQueen in that role. Yeah, I'm looking at this now. There's a picture of him and Robert Wagner with a bunch of babes, and they were mm-hmm. judging a beauty contest in England. And I read this thing, Neil and I are having a ball in London. It's To us, it's sort of like babes in Toyland. And that was for the uh, premiere, right, of uh, Love with a Proper Stranger, I believe? No, the, that, that particular quote about Neil and I are having a ball in London – that no, that that was when they were filming the War Lover, and that's still uh, a War Lover. But the, you know, the, it was an ironic quote. You know, the, the, I was trying to show that you know we're sort of like babes in Toyland, and here he is surrounded by beautiful babes. <laughs> yes, every babe. So you know, a lot of thought went into the pictures that I would match up to the quotes. You did a the, great the, job. I just well, love thank it. you. Well, the, the easy part was the early years and the later years because he was talking about something specifically right but then when he gets the year of fame the years of fame uh, he's talking in esoteric terms he does um, quite a bit and it kind of changes then you have to match that photo (laughs) with the right circumstance and that's one of the situations where i okay i'll be ironic here okay here it is jimmy dean had a desire for death i don't i have too much to live for here he is in his things. It's just me. That's all I can be. And his two beautiful children. Have you ever spoken to them? Yes, I've I've met. Well, Steve's daughter, uh, Terry, died when she was 38 (gasps) of hemochromatosis. It's a liver deficiency. Oh, how horrible. Yeah, and I've I've met his son, Chad, before. Yeah. Mm. They were a very cute couple. I know I've been a pain in the ass to a lot of studios. I've always been a perfectionist, and that's a pain in the ass. There he yep. is. And I love The Great Escape. And the part seemed ready-made for me. When I did The Great Escape, I kept thinking, if they were making a movie of my life, that's what they would call it, The Great Escape. That's a quote that really uh, captured my publicist. He's like, wow, I like this one a lot. I did, too. I thought it was a really good – just looking at his pictures and all – oh, he moved on up. They moved to a Spanish Mediterranean stone mansion in Brentwood, and Steve's having a cup of coffee looking out his window. Very nice. And there are two beautiful cars. So uh, that's the, that one, the one with the cars that he's staring at. That's one of my favorite quotes. Not my favorite, but one of my favorite. Uh, the kind of place I dreamed about? Or no, when he, I first he, started scoring? When I first started scoring, yeah. When I first so, it, it, yeah, yeah. In, in the picture, Steve's in his driveway looking at two beautiful uh, uh, Ferraris. And, he, and it looks like he doesn't know which one to pick. Eeny, so meeny, go ahead with the quote. He said, when he's first... I started scoring. I went out and bought motorcycles. I wanted one in every place I might be. Then I got into expensive cars, then clothes. I'd buy ties and shirts and shoes by the dozens. I can remember once looking at a fan magazine, and there was Tony Curtis, the heartthrob, right? He was going to his garage. He was trying to decide which car to take to work. And I looked at that, and I said to myself, 
that's the damnedest thing I ever saw in my life. And you know, was it more than five years later that I was on my way to work and I couldn't decide which car to take? (laughs) (laughs) Steve made it. And that picture captures that so beautifully. It does. Oh, I love this picture with Steve having a a conversation with an actress on the set of Love. And she's like wearing nothing. You can see her, her butt. On women, it's kind of spooky the things they'll do to score. Bribe their way into your hotel room, hide naked under the bed, and they're not too subtle about letting you know what they want. It can get a little embarrassing. Females can be very aggressive in this industry. Yes, I'm sure they were. And a lot of Steve's friends said he he was not aggressive with women. They just came on to him. And And so he was like, okay, man, sure, babe. Okay, soul sister, come on. (laughs) Let's do it. That's right. Yes, I read his, his line. His line was, and I didn't use it in the book. Was like, I just want you to know, I'm a married man. But if you want to have a little fun and games, I'm ready, baby. <laughs> Standing at attention. <laughs> I love this picture of Steve um, drinking a cup of tea and toasting the camera. I think so many great pictures. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm surprised you skipped over um, which one. Um, page, uh, page 163. I don't think I have yet. I'm just getting to him with love and the proper stranger. Okay. There. Okay. No. Oh, where you show his cute little buttocks. (laughs) (laughs) I live for myself and answer to nobody, but what a cute little butt you got there, Steve. And see, that's, that's a photo (laughs) that, um, I, you know, we could have used that for almost anything, but I thought, let's, let's use a photo that really captures that thing. (laughs) And it's like stripping down naked. Drinking a thing of milk. He's drinking milk. Yeah, he's drinking milk. (laughs) There's a lot of pictures of him drinking milk, I found, you know, because I search the Internet, you know, because I have a page through Stories of Tinsel Down and I, you know, I try to get really nice post pictures, but also, you know, um, candidates. And I've gotten so many great of Steve. There he is. His bod is great. He was doing his uh, workouts. Yeah. Uh, There he is again. There he is. I sometimes old ladies honk at me. I'm somewhat of a cowboy, I guess, but I've lost most of it. I sometimes old ladies honk at me. I smile and get out of their way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what that means. There's he and Neil. Uh, everybody waits on me. They powder my nose and tell me what they think I want to hear. After a while, you're convinced you're superhuman. But when you're racing on a motorcycle, the guy on the next bike doesn't care who you are. And if he beats you in a race, well, he means he's a better man than you are. And he's not afraid to tell you that you're lousy. Racing keeps my equilibrium intact. It makes it difficult to believe I'm God's gift to humanity. Yep, I love that quote. It is, and it's so true because it's like, you know, people kiss your butt left and right as well. I love this picture of him with Jackie Gleason. Yeah, that's a pretty cool one that I just came upon fairly recently. I like that one a lot. And there's Steve. Oh, I love this, that he goes back to Boys Republic when I can. I just sit down and talk to the boys. That's the best way I can function with them. Boy, they're smart and bright. They know the scam, but they have a hard time adjusting to school, just as I did. It's different from the streets. You've got to learn to get along, but they make it. And security is pretty good motivation. And he also gave to that school. He has a, a dedication um, right. there. 
Yes, and he yeah he 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 left uh, he left uh, a scholarship uh, as well. Scholarship, yep. And he left a two hundred thousand dollars so that they can build a recreation center. But every year now, they have a car show, and it's it's now they reach up to like five hundred thousand dollars a year that they raise for that school. His son Chad does that, and so uh, it's you know it's kind of like the gift that keeps on giving from Steve McQueen. That's so nice, though. I mean, so many people, because he said in one of his quotes how, you know, Christmas there, you know, was like no other day. And he said he had a hard time giving and receiving gifts for the longest time. And yet right. he gave the gift to that place. Right. And he made sure to do it anonymously. He didn't want anybody to know that he did it. And uh, that was, you know, today you can't you can't see a star without getting his picture taken and makes you, know, you sick or on Instagram doing check. it. What yep. I did and I did this and I did that. And it's just bull. Oh, he's so cute. Uh, I love this one where he's in the pool, jumping into the pool, the water splashing all around him. That's the hardest part about this business. Once you've established yourself as a professional, you suddenly wake up and say, "I'm a success." Now what? Yeah. In Neil's um, book, I was reading today, not her book, but, you know, some parts of it. And when Steve and she were going, I guess uh, um, Natalie made a play for Steve pretty big. And yes. she said she showed up first so they could get all the attention before Natalie showed up to kind of say, hmm, 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 hmm. Right. <laughs> He's my man. Yes. That would, that would, I can't imagine being married to someone that all these women are lusting for and would do, you know, and all these gorgeous women in, in Hollywood. Right. I, I just can't imagine doing that. It, it would be tough. Um, but, you know, again, he, the way I think he explained it to her and, and she bought was these women don't mean anything to me. So, yeah. Uh, but after a while, I think that started to wear, especially in the late 60s. Yes. A man does what he has to do, and it's not the woman's business to interfere. <laughs> so that's sort of the chattel quote. Um, there he is. He's so cute. The bread is nice, but I got sanctuary and bananas and nuts on the table. I don't need any more to exist. He's shooting poo inside his castle. Yeah. And I love the quote with the ball. Or yeah. he, he's, he's shooting pool, and uh, uh, I, I found this photo recently. Um so, so he says, cute. sometimes I can't believe what's happened to me. Every morning I wake up, I want to check to make sure I'm the Steve McQueen in the movies, has a wonderful wife, two kids, a home of his own, and, and money in the bank. Man, I can't get used to it. I could have easily wound up behind the eight ball. And there he is in front of a pool table getting ready to shoot. And there's a, there's the whole rack right there in front of him. He looks fabulous, too. It's wonderful. And the next one, he's in leather. Well, I can tell you one thing. I'm not coming out of work with an ulcer. When I feel things are getting too tight, I still turn off my phones and I go away in my pickup truck. Secure? Who can feel secure? <laughs> Welcome to the world of cell phones, if only Steve knew. <laughs> my good old yeah. days are right now. How true, Steve. Um, there he is. Oh, he did the movie, Baby, the Rain Must Fall. It didn't do well, though, right? He played a musician Correct. and he didn't yeah. have any musical talent. No, I no talent and and looked <laughs> awkward doing it and, yeah. and had a really bad southern accent and it's certainly not a movie I would recommend. Uh there are moments though that uh you know that that he's pretty good but um it's just 
it's just too much of a downer. I've never seen it. You know, it comes and on it's in black and white. I'm, I'm, you know, black and white's fine, but it's got to have a use. Uh, in this case, it was probably done in black and white, uh, probably for for economics. But you know, color was available. Why they didn't do it, I don't know. But it was from the director of To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, who, who, so they were uh, probably going for movie. that dark look. You know. Yes. Right. There he is with his wife. She looks really pretty. They're at the Academy Awards. Marriage is really difficult in the public eye. Most marriages in industry crack up fast, mainly due to this kind of pressure. But me, I'm no party stud. I'm with one woman at a time, and she's my lady, and that's it until the ballgame's over, and we decide to walk away in different directions. Right. And he he made that statement many times, and as we know, that that wasn't true. He he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He he was a party stud. Yes, he um, was a party stud. Mm-hmm. He was. There he wants to live a bit. Here he is dancing, a sweaty Steve McQueen dancing and singing the night away in a Paris nightclub on a press junket for love with a proper stranger. So cute. I don't. He's just boogieing down. Go, Steve. Go. And he's with Neil. Ten years ago, right after Neil and I got married, she was making a movie out of Hollywood and I was out of work actor. This is what you're talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. The studio com- right. commissary. All the guys were crowding around Neil, giving me the umbo, calling Mr. Adams. I was up all night and pushed out of shape. I knew right then and there I'd better be somebody. You guys stay put. One thing is, he had this, um, the hair suddenly feels <laughs> Uh, Steve had like sort of, you know, the thing he had with James Dean where he thought in the beginning that he had that with Paul Newman. That was sort of his thing. Like, right. Yeah. He always had to have somebody to, uh, you know, measure up as a yardstick, somebody to compare to so that he could always keep clawing toward the top. I did not know that Steve went to the Olympics, um, for racing. That's correct. He did. Yeah, it was um, it's called the six day trial, um, and you know it's it's interesting. He he kind of had to fund that. Him, he, he underwrote that whole thing, and that coincided with the um, the uh, premiere for Love with the Proper Strangers. So he did. He he was over there. He was he was overseas. He did he did the uh, he did the premiere, and then those guys uh, showed up, and then they got their motorcycles and they raced. Uh, in the six day trials, they didn't do so well. They got busted up. Um, but, uh, you know, the cool thing was you see these pictures of McQueen holding the flag. Yeah. He, that, that's, you know, one of, he considered one of his proudest moments. And he's smoking a cigarette. I am an American. Yeah. And I never realized how deep rooted this was until I was a foreigner in someone else's land. Right. He Beautiful was very quote. proud of that. You can tell. Yeah, but something. he's got that cig in his mouth, um, looking really cool. So. I know exactly. I'm holding it's the flag and puff, iconic puff. McQueen. Yeah, here he is. A picture, I guess. What was that? The cover of Vogue or something? With somebody's foot, and he's got his arm around her legs. It's very hard to say no to these women sometimes. Some are very beautiful, and I'm no saint. Marriage is really difficult when you're in the public eye. You're exposed to so many rumors about other women. <laughs> I bet a lot of them are true, Steve. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> they have this picture of him on Bazaar, and he's like with women. He's got kiss marks all over his face. 
Oh, they he his bike pals got on him about the photo layout he did for women's. They posed me next to these skinny models and had me wearing a lot of fashion stuff like neck chains and gold wristbands. When my buddies saw the magazines, they laughed like monkeys. Hey, McQueen, we think you're just darling in those bracelets. Man, they sure got on my case about that layout. It was phony, and they knew it, and I knew it. And but they weren't going to let me get away with that kind of stuff. Guys like that. When it gets down to the short stroke, they'll give you blood. They'll put their life on the line for you. Same as I would do for them. Yep. It's a great quote, but uh, and I love the fact that these guys give him a hard time because what he's referring to is his motorcycle buddies. His his friend Bud Eakins, who I mentioned earlier, he had a motorcycle shop. and, And so it wasn't just a place where they did business, but it was where the guys hung out. And, uh, you know, they, they just hang out and just be guys and drink beers. And so, uh, they probably saw that magazine and they started giving him a hard time about it. And, you know, in this quote, he's, he's like, yeah, they gave me a hard time about it and I deserved it, you know? So that's kind of cool that he acknowledged the fact that, you know, his friends were busting on him. Yeah. Well, it was funny. <laughs> he's got all these smooches and he's like a totally different thing. I don't think Neil probably loved it too much. Wow. Thinking back, I feel that I must have spent almost a third of my life being angry and never knowing why. Maybe it's because I came from the streets and feeling second class caused resentment, which brought out rebellion and hostility. And yes, I can believe that is the truth. Okay, so now we're going to get into, he does, you know, his his groovy Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. um, Thomas Crown Affair. So he does the Thomas Crown Affair where he is Mr. Suave, and that's he his co-star is Faye Dunaway. Did he get along with her? Since so many people did not. He yeah, he did. But well you, you gotta remember she was I think that was her second film. She just done uh, Bonnie and Clyde. So she's and not- you know, he was a big major movie star. Um and she had not become the diva that we know her as now. Um but he did he was very intimidated by her acting skills. He uh, he complimented her. He called her the great lady, as a matter of fact. So uh, he really did respect her uh, as an actress. But, yeah, they got along uh, very well. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because I've seen pictures of them when they were doing the ta- uh, Towering Inferno. And it was uh, he and Paul Newman and Faye, mm-hmm. and they were laughing their heads off behind the scenes. Right. Yes. This is him, one of his quotes, and here he is shirtless. He's on... It's while he's doing the sand pebbles. Keep your body cool and you're on a natural high all the time. He's getting made up. Um, Then he gets into, he does a lot of these great movies, everybody. I'm just skipping through, but I'm going to get to how his, a big change in his life. Um, He start. he does a getaway. And I thought that he and Neil had, separated prior to the getaway but yes they were they were separated um and in the middle of the uh movie he gets a phone call um saying okay we're officially divorced wow and you know he and he and neil were still friends yes i read that they were still friends kind of sent him reeling because you know that was uh that was his anchor 15 Uh, years but he was with Allie by then yes and and so yeah you you'll love this so he said something to the effect of uh, he wanted to get back with her again, uh, but he wanted he wanted it now to be all three of them. <laughs> and and uh, Neil goes, uh, 
how is she going to react to that? And he said, she'll understand. Just, just come on down. Meaning he would, he invited her back down to the set. So, um, you know, so when they got divorced, it made him, it it made him have second thoughts, but he was with Allie and, uh, it it was interesting. I mean, his, his ultimate fantasy was to have all three wives in bed. (laughs) What a guy. Yeah. Well, he loved, I'm sure he loved all three of them, but what happened? I heard, I read in, in, in Neil's book, she says that she told Steve, Steve had like, what, probably hundreds of affairs. He, he, you know. He would get to uh, mushrooms and was getting into coke and things like that. And he also drank. And he also cheated on her probably more times than we can count. And she tells him that she had an affair uh, with the guy, what's his name? Maximilian Shell. Right. An Academy winning actor. She finally named him. And Steve punched her out. And then he had a gun to her face. No, and it's just so true because I tell you, I can't tell you how many men cheat like crazy. And if they think for one minute you had one, 10 minutes of something with someone else, you're the slut of all times and they want to kill you. And that's exactly what it was for Neil. And she got scared and um, you can't blame her. You know, that's kind of frightening to have a gun in your at, at your head. But I can't believe it. He brought Neil to the set to meet Allie? Uh he didn't. No, but he he was he got that phone call from California saying, oh, you know, come on down. We'll we'll figure it all out. But she she decided not to go. And he got which the was divorce. Yes. I mean if somebody said that to me, I would I would definitely have to clock him on the head. <laughs> But he says, here he is. Oh, my goodness. He's wearing all these groovy things. Sometimes you get a little sick of being charming. Mm -hmm. I like that quote. Cops shouldn't make trouble for the hippies. They've contributed so much that's groovy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh, groovy. Well, you know, when he turned 40, um, Neil said that he he hit his uh, midlife crisis. And that was the time of the hippies. So. She said um, that he identified with these young people, but he was a little bit older than they were. So, you know, he was he was really, again, we talked about the 1950s Hepcat era. That was his era. But as he got older, um, you know, then it became the, the age of Aquarius. And so, but that was for the teens. It wasn't for him, but he identified with them. And he especially identified with the era of free love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he did. And... Um... But the world is high-oriented, so I say he's very much like, I dig London, and here's this picture of him. He's wearing sort of like an ascot and this very flowery, groovy, groovy, oovy doovy shirt. The world is high-oriented. Right. I say let the grass flow and ban the drugs, the bad drugs. Which are the good drugs? I don't know. Yeah, I and mean, think about it. It's pretty... Pretty ahead of his time. Uh, people certainly weren't talking about about that like you know like they are now. No. I mean, now we've kind of seen that come true. Yes, and unfortunately, not everywhere. I still hate to see someone going to the slammer for selling you know a dime bag here. I mean that's a little <laughs> frightening. How does that not? Uh, his he did Le Mans. It was an ego trip, and it was a, not a success. Correct. Correct. That's right. 
And so where are we getting it? Oh, here he is. Steve McQueen and Allie McGraw fell in love during the making of The Getaway, and a major scandal erupted as she was married to a movie producer, Robert Evans, at the time. They eventually got divorced, and there's a Polaroid taken of them. Um, And they were deeply in love, and they married the following year. Allie's a very heavy lady. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so. Yeah, that was his his way of complimenting her. Ah, here he is. He's got that. He was in Alaska, and he got punched in the face or something, and he sees, I'm Steve McQueen, and I'm having fun in your two-bit town. And he goes yeah, to and, yeah, I love that. That, that was great. Uh, yeah, he he, um, he didn't get punched. I think it was a little bit of an accident or something. But, uh, yeah, the he's, he's flashing the peace sign while he's getting arrested. It's very iconic. It's wonderful. Yeah, I put I, – I had a day where I just put um, uh, there the – People who are stars who got arrested and I put their headshot, you know, their their things there. And there was Steve. If you're going to work 12, oh, this is during Papillon. If you're going to work 12 hours in the jungle, there better be a Playboy Club. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just for the first time saw Papillon. Oh, isn't it amazing? Yes, very much so. I think it's his best work. I do too. I thought yeah, but he he's he's really fabulous. good in the getaway as well. He's fantastic in the getaway. You you get to see his, his rage in the getaway. But Papillon is 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 a masterclass. Yes. I was so glad I finally saw it. And here's she's Allie, my New York intellectual. So they basically were an odd couple in many respects. They were, and he but he really respected her her mind um and her uh, intellectual capacity. He I think that he probably felt that he had married up and and that he could never catch up to that level. And she uh she was absolutely I think stunning and yes. um but he <laughs> there's some quote I read and he told her that she better keep working out because I'm not going to be stuck with some uh, some broad with an 80 year old woman's ass. <laughs> right. Yes, I, that, that petrified her where she got into yoga and working out. And she still looks terrific. I mean, she let yeah, her hair go gray. She's fabulous. Did you ever talk to her? You know, I've I've, I've exchanged emails with her, and um, uh, you know, I sent her um, a Steve McQueen a tribute to the King of Cool book, and she sent me a nice email thanking me. And everything I've ever heard about her is just delightful, and that she's just a wonderful lady and a genuine. I yes, I read her book; it was wonderful. Um, yes. There he is in the Towering Inferno, and wasn't there going to be a problem that he wanted um, his name above Paul's? Right. Yeah, there's a question of billing, um, and this started with uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, yeah, he turned it down. He he turned it down, um, and it was the same uh, manager back then. His name was Freddie Fields. He he was representing Paul, and then by the early 70s, he was representing Steve. And so um, this question came up again and says – so he, so Steve said, well, which one should I take? And Freddie Field says, well, the one on the left, that's the one you see first. People read from left to right. And so finally Steve said, okay, I'll take that one. But the one, the, the Newman's name was a little bit higher on the right. So, uh, but in the beginning with, with which that casting the Sundance kid, he wanted, he wanted Paul to flip for it. He wanted to flip a coin and Newman wouldn't do that. So well, you then know they what? came up with this idea. He didn't belong in that movie. He he and Robert Redford were fabulous in that film. I can't see Steve there. But I thought 
Honestly, I think that the McQueen, I could see McQueen in that role and do much better than Redford. But um, I could be, I could be one of the few that are, you know, but, but there are other movies that McQueen was going to do and didn't, and I couldn't see McQueen in it, but in that one I could. Well, Robert Redford is so pretty. And that's the thing with there where maybe you get more of a the really gritty guy and Steve had that kind of mug. But I guess it just wasn't to be. And I do enjoy right. the movie, so I can't say there's not much. And I do. I just watched Towering Inferno. It was on Cinemax or something or or Showtime. And there's Steve. I think there's not a kid in the world who hasn't at some time been interested in the fire department. When I was a kid, I always looked up to firemen and their shiny trucks and coats and helmets. It's kind of a typical, typical thing to have a hero thing for firemen. It's you grow up and then it disappears. <laughs> My, uh, this cute little kid, he wanted to, he loved, he worshiped his garbage men and I want, and he was just the cutest little kid. Kids just worship these things. These are really nice pictures um, yeah. of him and Steve. Steve and Paul. Now those look at the ones where the, the ones just two Paul Newman autographs will get you one Steve McQueen yeah. autograph. <laughs> yeah, this was given to me by a lady by the name of Patty Vonnegut, and um, uh, she's shown up for all these events and book signings, and she sent me these pictures to the mail, and said I was on the set of the Towering Inferno, and these two guys were like laughing and ha- uh, laughing up a storm, and they really you could tell they really enjoyed each other. I said, "Hey, can I use these photos for this upcoming book?" And she said, "Absolutely." I said, "Well, tell me the story," and then the quote comes from the fact that um, McQueen would always uh, 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 give Newman a hard time saying because because Newman uh, wouldn't give uh, autographs, and so. Um, so, so McQueen was saying, ah, you know, two two Paul Newman autographs will get you one Steve McQueen autograph. I love that. That was kind of funny. It is cute. I'm trying to find that really um, prophetic quote. I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. My, oh, here it is. My mother died when she was 50. My father died when he was 50, and I'm going to die when I'm 50. That means I have 10 years to live it up. Yikes. Pro, yeah. to the ultimate of maxes. Yeah, and I got that quote from Bud Eakins. That was, again, another one that was given to me anecdotally. I was asking him when we were talking about the end of his marriage to Neil because, um, you know, he said McQueen was just acting differently. You know, he was into, he was into drugs. He was um, fooling around quite a bit to the point where he wasn't even hiding anymore. And I just said, I don't, yeah, I said, I don't get it. You know, he goes, and I, he goes, trust me. He goes, I asked him the same thing. And that's when McQueen said that quote, because he, you know, he was just, he had just turned 40 and he was like, Hey, I've got, I got 10 years to live it up. And McQueen's not different than the men of that era thought, because, you know, my, my kin folk come from a place called Globe in Miami, Arizona. It's a copper mining community. And all the men died at a very young age because oh, they. My, my my grandfather died at fifty five because he inhaled all that dust. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation, you know, a couple of years ago with one of the copper miners, and he's like, "We all didn't think we were going to live that long." Like, you know, he was drinking at the bar, and, but yeah, he, he kept saying, "You know, we just didn't, you know, we, we didn't think that modern medicine was going to progress enough to where we we thought we'd live this long." And he was even saying, like, man shouldn't live this long. And I know that that was part of the whole thinking 
uh, behind the queen. And that, and given that, you know, his his mom was fifty five, his dad was like fifty two or fifty three. So, but you know, he he, he was kind of mm-hmm. approximated in the numbers. But, um, yeah, that's why he that's that's why Bud asked him, "Why are you acting the way you're acting?" Hmm. There's this photo of Steve on his motorcycle, and this is when Steve really just grows out his beard and. Um, they, it's speculation that he ballooned up to 240 pounds. Most he ever right. weighed was 185 pounds, according to his martial arts instructor. Um, McQueen, however, reveled in his newfound anonymity and the scruffy bearded Fat Joe <laughs> under the pseudonym. McQueen held court in El Padrino room, a tap room inside the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Hmm. He was there, dusty, thick, at an age I'm not as beautious. Boy, did he really let his hair and everything go groovy. Yeah, but he didn't He didn't really balloon up to that. That's just what the National Enquirer wrote. Because of course. Barbie, Barbie McQueen's got pictures of him with his shirt off, and he's all muscle. He might have gained 15 or 20 pounds, but he's Great. still all muscle. Yeah, I see shirtless pictures of him. He's just sitting there hanging around with the crew. Um. I don't mind failing. To do safe things doesn't interest me. An actor's profession is the worst sort of profession for ups and downs. It's all chance. For failure, there's also the tremendous satisfaction of scoring a triumph in something you believe. I go for broke. There he is. He's in uh, doing karate dojo, sweeping. And there, <laughs> it's a funny picture of him with, what's his face, that guy? Chuck, Chuck Norris. Norris. <laughs> yeah. There he is with his glasses. What an... Interesting as Dr. Thomas Stockman, an enemy of the people. Right. Um, it was a play, Henry Ibsen, Henry Gensip's play from 1982. Boy, to Steve, you don't recognize you recognize him, but you really don't, because he let his even his eyebrows go into this like wild dude. So you know when it happened, he and Allie divorced. Who was the one who? Um, Wanted it, or did they both? Well, it, it was just—I think it was just a progression. You know, they, they were both miserable. It was—it it was a hot and cold relationship. They were very passionate and fiery, but as you know, that never really transitions into mature love. No. So it's sort of like that. Uh, I should have never married her. Should have just right. let it be. Right. And that's a sad quote, but uh, that's, that's what he told. That's what he told Bud Eakins. Um, and then there's a picture. So, you know, do you know his wife, Barbara, very well? I do. Yeah, we did the book together and uh, she let me, well, the, the the last third of the book, you'll see, she generously lent me the, the photos to use. That woman saved my life, says Steve. And it's a beautiful yeah. picture of them together um, holding the kitty cat. And Steve's got coffee. And he's got a yeah. I love that picture. Yeah, it's beautiful. There's Steve with his little cap, and he became born again, right? Yes. But this That's was right. prior to his diagnosis, right? That's correct. That's correct. Yes. What happened was is that you know he he moved to Santa Paula, uh, California, which is like an hour from Los Angeles. So he he moved away from from um, you know he he. he he started a new relationship with Barbara Minty, and then he—I think he just wanted a new home for them. So he started getting into antique planes, and uh, Santa Paula was yeah. the uh, antique 
uh, flying capital of the world. And so he wanted the best pilot possible to teach him because they say that learning on an antique plane is a lot harder than a new plane. And so Sammy Mason was the name of the gentleman that uh, that taught him. And Sammy was a World War II pilot and a test pilot, and just he was a real man's man. Uh, the kind of and he was ten to fifteen years older than Steve. And Steve always was looking for father figures yes. throughout his life because he never had one. And you know, after he got to know Sammy and, and the way he carried himself, he said, he asked Sammy. He said, Sammy, there's something different about you, and I can't quite put my finger on it. What is it? And he said, Well, Steve, I'm a born again Christian. And Steve didn't say anything after that, but um, then after like a couple of weeks, he said, Sammy, you think I could go to church with you? And then uh, Sammy was like, oh, yes, of course. So every week, um, and the funny thing was is that Bar- Barbie told this story uh, for uh, a, a recent documentary, and he said Steve came home one day, said, honey, put on a dress, we're going to church. And she said he never explained why he wanted to go to church. Hmm. Um, but she said from that moment on, we went to church every week. And then before they got married, they had to take Bible study lessons. So they took a Bible study outside of the hangar, uh, in order to be, you know, better spouses. So, you know, real change took place in his life. And again, this was before, because, uh, when I did my research, you know, I, I asked the, the people and they, they, they told me it was months before his diagnosis. And then I found a item from Liz Smith, the New York uh, gossip columnist. Mm-hmm. She wrote a piece that Steve McQueen was starting to go to church and that was dated June of 79. And he was diagnosed with cancer in December of 79. Wow. So I know for a fact it was before. But he was having symptoms. He wasn't feeling his best. Uh, yes, but he didn't know for sure. He he didn't go to, uh, he didn't get a scan, uh, until December. So, um, but he, he, you know, yeah, he had been feeling off and on, but you know, he didn't know for exactly, you know, he had a, he he had what pleurisy in his lung. And so that's what it was diagnosed with in 78, the mesothelioma, uh, wasn't even diagnosed until December because, the miso is so crafty, it will hide behind the lining of the lungs mm. so that an x-ray won't pick it up. Well, yes, I'm a born-in Christian. This, this is, it says Barbara McQueen's photo is her favorite of her husband. She said that Steve reminded of a World War II avi- aviator. It is a beautiful photo of Steve yeah. with one of the planes. He's wearing, you know, a scarf, drinking coffee. Um, And I love this quote. I've done all of those things to prove that I'm something special, but I'm not really sure I've proven anything, at least not to myself. Yeah. And And that was said on his deathbed. I got a tape tape of his from his friend. Uh, It's an hour long conversation he had with a with a faith healer. And um, he started talking about his life and he talked in a very unguarded way. And so that was one of the quotes from from that session, you know, like. You know, he the guy said, "Steve, you've done all these wonderful things. You know, you should be pleased to yourself." And that was his reply. Hmm. And hear this, and it's true. It is an eerie and foreboding image of Steve McQueen on the set of The Hunter in Chicago, Illinois. And he says, "In Chicago, I knew I was sick." Right. In December seventeenth, yeah. he checked in Cedar Sinai's hospital. His set of X-rays showed a massive tumor in his right lung. Exploratory uh, surgery a week later revealed that McQueen had, I hate saying this word, <laughs> mesothelioma. 
Am I saying it? Yeah, you got it right. An an incurable cancer in the lining of the lungs, usually related to asbestos exposure. His prospects were grim. Mm -hmm. And this is something he says. There's this picture of him with those uh, bifocals on and just kind of looking into the camera. I love the Lord, and I just can't figure out why he let me get cancer. I took the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior over two years ago. That was before I got sick. I just don't understand. But I tell him I'm willing to do whatever he wants. My life is his. If he wants me to die, I'll die. I won't fight it. Yeah. Sad, but true. it kind of shows where his faith is at that moment. Yeah. And there he is relaxing He where he is at his Santa Paula home. And he's hanging out. And there's the dog and the kitty cat. This place is as close to home as I can find. I want to die here. There's the horse. One of the horses on the property. Yep. I know better than to say. See, my mother was very Catholic. She'd never had a born-again moment. She just was very Catholic. And she would always give things up. And she died of cancer, and that went all over her body. But she was older, and she had breast cancer. She didn't treat it, and it just spread. And she thought God was like, Monty Hall, let's make a deal. You know, I said, Mom, you can't barter with God. You know, you just don't. Ten-year-olds get cancer. Two-year-olds get cancer. You know, I can't believe God gives us cancer. I I just don't get it. Well, whatever. He said, I know better than to say, okay, God, I'll make you a deal. You let me live and I'll do this. That's what my mother did. I'm pretty sure I believe that I have something to give the world as far as my relationship with the Lord, something I can teach to other people, something about a message I can give. I don't know exactly where, but I've thought about it a lot when I'm by myself. And there's a picture of their wedding. Ooh, so it was after he was diagnosed and he looked quite thin. Barbara's lovely. And those were her parents? No, that was actually Sammy Mason and uh, his oh. wife, Wanda. So Sandy, Sammy was his best man. <laughs> McQueen's proposal to his third and final wife. Here, are you satisfied? <laughs> yeah, that he, he pushed the ring in her face and said, here, are you satisfied? Premier of Tom Hunt, getting the word out that Steve was fine and did not have cancer, something that he wasn't ready to admit to the public. Um, of course, they showed up in full force. Minutes before the screening, they drew up. Do you really have lung cancer? Why are people so rotten? Do you know what I mean? Just because you're famous and you have to have flash bulbs in your ear. Are you dying, Steve? Are you? I don't get that. I guess that's how they have to make their money, but I could not do that. Right. And, and, and this was the start, even though this is 40 years ago, this is really the start of the paparazzi, uh, the full force, 24-7 paparazzi. Digging because, into anything they can get, going literally yeah, and, and, into and, your and, garbage and, cans. Literally. And the, the fact that he had cancer made him uh, kind of like uh, you know one of the most wanted, and they would they would hound him. I mean, they didn't hound him before, but now they did, knowing knowing that he had cancer. Yeah. Um, and the and the reason they knew that he had cancer was because somebody at Cedar Sinai, who was a nurse, uh, that's how they get sold that, sold mm-hmm. that uh, file to uh, the National Enquirer. So that's they had that's how they had the inside track. Well, what he said was, whatever you heard was ridiculous, just rumors. Do I look like I have cancer? And then there goes the National Choir. I don't have terminal cancer, just terminal fury. Yeah, really. And there he is in Long Beach, and he's wearing funky those shorts. Yeah. 
Right. Steve. And Barbara said he was kind of goofy in that way. She, she was like, he's not the king of cool. He was kind of goofy. <laughs> he knew that too. He was so cute. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm going to fight it all the way. There he is, so thin, wearing those goofy shorts. He's on the famed Pacific Princess, the love boat. He's getting ready for the day's adventure. I sure have been humbled. I can't believe it's over. I won't believe it. And there he is riding. I'm running out of gas. There he is. He's in Mexico with Barbara. And the place, the controversial Mexican clinic. And that was when um, Laetrile had just started, right? And this was this whole thing. And people were trying to go there. He went there after they told him he did have chemo and everything, right? Yeah, he he did. He found out that they they told him, hold still, this is going to burn. He said, well, if it's going to burn my outside, what's it going to do my insides? So he uh, he decided that he wasn't going to go that route. Oh, he didn't do the chemo. No, he didn't do the full chemo. Oh, yeah. He was starting to do it, Eesh. what I understand. Uh, and then here, because he... This what all this always gets me. You know, I have a friend with stage four colon cancer. She's in her forties. She's had it for three years. And, you know, you try and do, and so far she's doing well, and I hope she she keeps on going. It's different now, of course. The treatments are different. But, you know, people who want to try different methods to, to cure themselves today are not ridiculed or why are they ridiculed like he was? Steve McQueen's explanation why you sought cancer treatment in Mexico. When you're in my shoes, you'll grab at anything that works. Yeah. I mean, really. Right. Well, again, this was the start of the whole Mexican cancer clinic treatment. Um, and it was also, again, the start of the, like, not the 24-7 cycle of, of paparazzi, but you, you combine those two elements together. Um, but the, the, the problem was, is that later on, the, the gentleman that ran the cancer clinic, uh, said a lot of anti-Semitic things and, um, uh, just ruined whatever legacy he had. Uh, but you know, uh, the, the, but the American doctors told Steve McQueen that he only had three months to live and that when it got to be too painful, come in, we'll, 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 and then we'll make you comfortable. So they, they didn't give him any hope, but on the other hand, they were truthful to him. So, you know, what do you do in that situation? Do you fight for your kids? Do you, you know, I always say there's the Steve McQueen method and there was the Michael Landon method. Michael, neither one is right or wrong. Michael Landon went the way that he wanted to go. He wanted to, he wanted to go at home and peacefully and be surrounded by family. Steve McQueen wanted to fight it. So, you know. Well, they were um, trying to start to fight it. As I recall, when Michael Landon was diagnosed with the war, pancreas, pancreatic cancer, the one that Alex Trebek just died from, I mean, I think he died three months later, but he went on Johnny Carson after he was diagnosed. He looked great. You know, this was yeah. right after, and he was doing push-ups and stuff. And he was being, uh, his wife was treating him holistically in that way with the enemas and doing all that junk. And so he died at home. And Steve, it was, you know, just even different times. But it shows the Bible that Billy Graham um, gave Steve Mm -hmm. just days before he died. And I have to say, that clinic is pretty gross looking, man. (laughs) I try to read the Bible every day. I've made peace with the Lord. Oh, I just got to tell you. 
I don't, I'm not going to read the final things, you know, they're just heartbreaking. Boy, the outside, the Santa, I was in Mexico and, um, you know, I've sung good and bad of it, but that room, was that his room that you, the actual room poor Steve was in? Yes. And I've been there and, uh, it did not look like a hospital. I can tell you that. Disgusting. There's like this big stain on the floor and just looks so filthy, but you know what? He was trying whatever he could do. So he had surgery uh, to take out, um, the two, the five pound tumor in his belly and surgery to take out tumors in his neck, which, ouch, I had a, and, um, you know, he wanted to live. I am counting on you, doctor. And he survived the operation, but he only lived for another 17 hours. Right. And, um, here's updates. You've got all this stuff, all the press, um, his death certificate, and an afterword. And I have to say, and then I love this. Steve McQueen, 321. Is that 67? Yes. Thanks. The shoes and his, his thing. And it's just, ugh. It is such I a wanted, I wanted to end the book on a positive note. It was and precious. Note. And it, it just, I tell you, it just gets me, you know? And I loved, loved, loved this book pictures are amazing if you are steve mcqueen fans or if you want to learn about steve and these pictures and his own quotes i mean i did a lot but there are so many more and he was an amazing guy and um like i said it it was emotional for me to read this book and you know it's still emotional for me to read it even now after i read it i I get to see it just to see the quotes and to see all that stuff again. It is wonderful, Marshall. I Thank you so much. I can't give you higher praise for this. <laughs> and I tell you guys, this is a great, it's it's a coffee table book, right? It's It's got all these, it's 500 and how many pages? 500. 503 pages. And, and the best way to order it is through www.daltonwatson.com. It'll be available on Amazon in a couple of weeks, but uh, you can get it now at daltonwatson.com. Can you send that to me? Because I'll just link that up um, yes. when I post this. This will sure. be a two-parter because we went long, but it's worth it. It's a good one. No problem. And it, it would be a wonderful gift for any Steve McQueen lover for Christmas and just for yourself if you love Steve and the wonderful pictures. Um, you learn so much about his life, and I loved it, Marshall. Thank you Thank you so much. You're my 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 pleasure, and you're very very welcome. And thank you so much for reading the book. Oh, I loved it, and thank you for giving it to me, and thank you for coming on the show. The stories of Tinseltown.